Hi, and welcome to Menlo Church Online. Menlo is a place where we believe that everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything is possible. We really hope you enjoyed today's message. So sit back and relax, and here we go. That's it, yeah. Well, how y'all doing? Y'all good? Good. I am, uh, as I would say from my home in Mississippi, I am peacock proud and hyena happy to be here. I, I tell you, I am excited to come and to worship with you all and excited uh, to open up God's word. I, um, I, am, a little, I am a little nervous, though. I, I'm a little nervous um, because I am I'm doing something a little risky uh, this weekend. I am um, I'm taking you to a passage that's extremely familiar. And, and honestly, it's so familiar that I run the risk of you seeing it and then thinking, I've heard that a million times, I'm going to the beach. Um, but please, don't leave, don't go to the beach. My prayer is that God would give us fresh eyes and fresh ears to see, hear, and experience these sacred, ancient words again as if it were the first time. Amen? Having said that, oh, oh, another, another announcement. Uh, I, I don't know, with the campuses, I don't know if this is, if y'all can see it clearly, but I'm black. Uh, I just, I just give everybody an opportunity to take that in. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a black church in Mississippi, and, and, I, and in our church, we talk to the preacher, uh, we talk back. Uh, it's a conversation. As a matter of fact, I had a um, Vicky that if you started preaching good, she'd uh, she'd yell out. She'd say, "Come on with some more." Uh, but you got to watch on Vicky because then you get to preaching too long, and then she'll 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 be like, uh, uh, "Bring it on home now." You make up your mind, I'm Vicky. Which one is it? You know, so, so if it's all right, uh, every now and then I might need a little amen or something like that. Amen? amen? Especially if they said, I only got 30 minutes to preach, which is, you know, that's rough for a black preacher. That's, I'm telling you, that's going to be a hard thing to pull off. So I'm going to need as much help as I can. And they even got a clock up there counting me down. A clock on a black preacher is like kryptonite to, 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 to Superman. Um, so See, that took up two minutes just to say that. It just take a long time to get stuff out. So I'm going to need y'all to help me out uh, this weekend. Is that all right? All right, grab your Bibles as we go to these, um, this familiar passage. Book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, like I said, I grew up in the South. Um, at our church, we use the King James Version. Uh, anybody remember the King James Version? Anybody use the King James Version? I grew up and I memorized it through the King James Version. So uh, if you allow me to recite it, King James, King, King Jimmy, who I like to call him, uh, King Jimmy, um, he, he says it like this. Um, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this great church. Thank you for all that you're doing uh, and all the campuses. God, I'm just so thankful for your hand of 
guidance on this church. Now, Father, would you speak to us like only you can? Your children have gathered to listen. Tune our ears to your voice so that we might hear you ever so clearly. Uh, turn our hearts toward you so that we might experience the fullness of all that you have for us. God, is to that end that I ask that you stand in my body, think through my mind, speak through my vocal cords, those things you would have us say, know, and do. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Get glory in this place. In Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 I absolutely love uh, being in California. Uh, I'm originally from Mississippi, uh, like I said earlier. And me and my wife, uh, when we moved out to, from Mississippi to California, y'all, we have no kids. We have no kids. We moved out with no kids. The first two weeks, first two weeks in Southern California, uh, my wife got pregnant. Uh, we didn't have no cable or internet on, and that's just kind of what happened. Um, we, uh, we, we said from now on, whenever we move to another house, the cable and internet's got to be on first. That's a, that's a rule. It took us four kids to figure out that was the deal. Um, so, so we moved to California. So now we've got a new job, new home, new church, new community, now new baby. Uh, we did all the stressful things you can do in life in one year. So I, um, our anniversary was coming up, and I said, you know what? I've got to... I've got to really hook my wife up this year. Uh, I'm sorry, hook my wife up. It means to bless beyond measure, to go above and beyond what normal reaction would be. Hook her up, uh, to hook her up. Uh, so, so I call my new California friends, and I was like, hey, y'all, where, where do I, like when you want to do something really nice for your wife, where do, you, where do you go? Oh, he was like, they were like, oh, Albert. All of them said, oh, Albert, you got you to gotta go to Tiffany's. I said, who is Tiffany? They said, oh, trust me, you'll, you'll love it. You just go to Tiffany's, you, you'll find us something great. So I was like, cool. So I went, and I walked into Tiffany's, and I saw them prices. I walked out, I said, is there a Tamika or a Tanya I can go see? Because I can't afford Tiffany. I can't fool with her. I, I cannot do this. They said, Albert, you got to go back. I'm telling you, your wife is going to love it. Just one glimpse of the blue box from Tiffany's, your wife is going to go crazy. I, I said, oh, okay. So I went in and I said, hey, Tiffany, give me one of them blue boxes from back there so I can go to Walmart and put some in it. Um, they said, Albert, you cannot do that. Okay, okay, okay. So, all right, I'm in Tiffany's. And I'm walking around just looking. Have you, have you ever been in a store that you just know you ain't got no business being in? <laughs> like you cannot afford to be in this store. Like, like my ATM card was screaming out saying, I don't know what you're doing up in here. We can't afford nothing up in here. You know, so I'm walking around and I got comfortable. I, I, I forgot where I was. I got comfortable. I got relaxed. Huh. Yeah, yeah, let me see that. No, 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 the one to the left. The one to the left. I pulled it out. It said $14,000. I wanted to say, lady, have you lost your mind? I've never seen $14,000 in my life. Are you? But I couldn't say that, so I tried to play it off. I was like, hmm. 
maybe a different color. Let me just keep looking around. And I'm looking around. And y'all, I'm looking around the store, but y'all know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the sale rack, uh, the clearance section, you know, where you got 75% off plus a coupon. Like, where is that section? You know, the floor model that you can take out the box and take home, you know. Look, I'm looking around, and then I finally, I saw this little bracelet, and it had a little trinket on it. And I was like, you know what? This is my wife. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So y'all, I got it. They put it in the Tiffany's box. And here I am. I got it. I got the Tiffany's. I got it at the Tiffany's. And yo, praise be to God, 18 more payments, and we're going to own that thing. I'm excited. <laughs> we almost, 20 years, and we almost, it's almost ours. You know what I mean? So, so I get it. Now, here's the part. I get ready to give it to my wife. And, 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 and y'all, you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do this. I'm a bad example. You should not do this. But I give this to my wife, and, and I'm just going to be honest. I want a response. Oh, yeah. And, and, and listen, and you shouldn't give gifts to get a response, but I want a response. And I don't want a regular response. Oh, no. I, I want tears. Oh, yeah, I want tears. And I don't want irregular tears either. I want the ugly cry. You know that ugly cry that, that <gasps> gasp for breath. You know, I want the snot bubble to bubble out. I want, to, I, I want a response. So she comes, and I give it to her. Yo, let me tell you something. If you want to hook your wife up, you need to go see my girl, Tiffany. I'm telling you, just the blue box alone. My wife just saw the blue box. And immediately, tears. And I said, babe, babe, just wait. It's something in the box. It's not like last Christmas. It's something in the box. Open the box. She opens the box. Oh, man. It was, I, I don't want to be inappropriate because I know that there, there are children here. Uh, but let's just say that night we celebrated and worshiped the living God uh, and the tr his train filled the temple and the priest could not stand the minister. We, we got it. We clear. We good. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I, I guess I say all that to say this. Um, I learned a valuable lesson and it is the lesson that I pray that you too will learn. And it is this. Every great gift demands a great response. Every great gift demands a great response. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the greatest gift that could ever be given. He gave the gift that brings us from death to life, from despair to hope, from darkness to light. He gave the greatest gift that could ever be given. And the question that I've come to put on the table this weekend is what is your response? What is your response to the greatest gift that has ever been given? For God so loved the world that he gave, he, he gave his only begotten son. He so loved the world that he gave his son so that we might have life. He gave his son so that we might experience life and freedom. He came to set us free. There's a, there's a young man 
And a friend of mine out in Oakland, uh, and, and he tells a story of he's inside and he's watching the game. He, he's watching the game. And his son is outside playing in the monkey bars. And while playing in the monkey bars, somehow his son gets stuck and he's screaming from the backyard, Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck! Daddy, Daddy, I'm stuck! And like any father with compassion and with love, the father immediately sits up in his chair, looks outside and says, Huh? Huh? Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. And then the father proceeds to try to help him without going out there. Uh, Because he's in the middle of the game. So so at first he tries to encourage him out. He says, you can do it. Come on, try try harder. You 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 can do it. It didn't help. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. And then he tries to instruct him out. Um, Move to the left. Slide to the right. Now dip, baby, dip. I'm I'm sorry, that's the wrong sermon. That's the wrong sermon. So he tries to instruct him out. That didn't work. But then, then he gets frustrated, and then he tries to condemn him out. He's like, what's... What was you doing out there anyway? Didn't I tell you about being out there anyway? What was you doing out there anyway? So he tries to condemn him out, but that don't work either. Daddy, daddy, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. He's still stuck. So finally, the father has to get up off of his comfortable chair, go out to the backyard, see his son in the monkey bars. Yeah, you stuck. As a matter of fact, he was so stuck that daddy had to down, climb in through the monkey bars, get the boy unstuck, and then carry him out so that he could be free from the monkey bars. Now, Menlo, I'm going to tell you right now, if you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. (laughs) For God so loved the world that when we were stuck in the monkey bars of sin, we had a God that didn't just try to encourage us out. We had a God that didn't just try to instruct us out with laws and rules and regulation. And we had a God that didn't try to just condemn us out and tell us what all wrong we did. We had a God that got up off of his throne in glory, put on flesh, dwelt among us, put his hands in our life and brought joy and hope, ultimately hung, bled, and died on Calvary's cross so that he might get us unstuck from sin and into his arms so that he might bring us to freedom, hope, and joy and salvation in his love through the blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, if he's ever set anybody free in here today, you ought to give God a praise and say, thank you, Jesus, for setting me free. Thank you, Jesus, for salvation. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son so that you and I don't have to live in the monkey bars of sin in this world. He came so that we don't have to be stuck. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever would believe in him, believe, 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 believe. Belief 
is more than just the ascent of the mind. It's more than you coming to some, some, some doctrinal conclusions of theological truths to set up a system of beliefs. No, 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 no. Belief is more than the ascent of the mind, and belief is also more than the consent of the will. It's more than you just changing behavior. Belief in God is more than you just deciding, I'm going to do things differently with my life. No, it's more than you, it's more than the ascent of the mind, you drawing some conclusions theologically. It's more than the consent of the will, just you changing your behavior and what your hands do. Belief culminates in not just the ascent of the mind and the consent of the will, but in the reclining of the heart. It is when your heart rests in all that God is and all that he has done. It is in the reclining of your heart. It is in the heart's exhale <sighs> that belief is fully experienced. It is when you rest in him. I could tell you're not getting it by the look on your faces, even on the campuses. I can see your face. I, I need to help you. Um, uh, my granddaddy, growing up in Mississippi, he loved big cars. He, he spent about 40 years in the ministry, and I don't know what it was, but he loved big cars. He's a pastor, um, and, and he loved those big cars. Not, he loved Cadillacs. Uh, not, not these little cute Cadillacs you can put in your pocket now. No, no, no. He loved them back in the day when Cadillacs were Cadillacs. Uh, my granddaddy's Cadillac. Man, uh, let me see. It... It started at that door back there and went all the way back to that, that window back there. I'm talking about a Cadillac. A Cadillac, you, you couldn't drive it like this. No, you had to drive it like this. I'm, I'm talking about a Cadillac made out of that good stuff. Had the back seat, had no seat capacity. These cars now, they got seat capacities. Cadillacs didn't have seat capacity. You just put as many kids back there as you need to. And then you got room for an igloo or cooler. Didn't need no seat belts as long as you had your grandmama's hand. The arm would just hold all seven kids back. You could even put a baby. You need no car seat. You could put a baby in the back window. Just flip him over every 15 minutes to make sure he didn't burn up. Anybody know what I'm talking about up in here? So we drive in this Cadillac, man, and my granddaddy's driving. He prided himself on driving long distance. He didn't have to stop. On, he didn't have to stop and get gas. The Holy Spirit take him the whole way. You know what I mean? He he, he was one of those. So I I never forget. We're driving, and and I'm 16, 17 years old. And I'm in the back seat with my cousin. My grandmother's over here in the front seat, and we're driving. And I'm Albert, but I'm a junior, but. So most of my family called me Junior, but my granddaddy didn't have the extra the energy for the extra syllable, so he just called me June. He said, June, I'm going to pull over, I'm going to let you drive, and I'm going to shut my eyes. So my granddaddy hands me the keys, gets in the back seat, and he lets me drive. So y'all know I'm 16, 17 years old, and I'm... I'm, I'm driving, I'm, I'm driving, and I, I never forget it. I had been driving about 15, 15, 20 seconds. And he said, June, um, uh, uh, speed this thing up, son. We want to get there before sunrise. I said, I said, yes, sir, granddaddy. So I speed it up. Then about another 40, 45 seconds. Uh, uh, June, boy, slow this thing down, son. We ain't running no race. <laughs> I 
I said, said, okay, great nanny. So I slowed down. Then another 50, 60 seconds. June, by this time, I could feel my grandmother in the passenger seat getting irritated in her sanctified soul. She, she got irritated. And, and, and just when he got ready to say it the third time, she turned her arm back, looked back, and she said, oh, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes. <laughs> See, the reality is, in his mind, he wanted me to drive. In his will, he gave me the keys. He wanted me to drive. But in his heart, he was still driving. If y'all, you get it early, I won't have to preach as long. Y'all, do you, do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes I wonder if God peers over the balcony of heaven and says to you and I, uh, I thought you said you was going to shut your eyes and let me drive. I thought you were going to shut your eyes and trust me. I thought you was going to shut your eyes and trust me and let me do the leading and let me do the providing. Remember in January, you made this big commitment. I'm going to, Jesus, I'm going to put it all on you. I'm going to let you make, I'm going to put the kids in your care. I thought you said you was going to trust me with the kids. I thought you said you were going to trust me with the finances. I thought you said you was going to trust me with the marriage. I thought you said you was going to trust me with the grandkids. I, I thought you said you was going to trust me with the business. Sometimes I wonder if we need to take a word from my grandmother shut our eyes and trust the driver because he's not a 16 year old upstart he's the creator and maker of all things some of us we our problem is we're backseat drivers we're backseat drivers my wife has a special gift of backseat driving she 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 has a she has a special gift at least that is how the therapist has encouraged me to talk about it. She, the therapist says, Albert, you need better language. So we call it a gift. A gift from who and to who is a whole nother story. But she has a gift. But we, we'll just be driving, and she'll all of a sudden have this premonition, and she will begin to give uh, direction and instruction on how I should navigate the vehicle from the passenger seat. It is almost as if she has a better perspective of how she sees that I should drive from that seat than I do in my own seat. Um, and so I've tried to appreciate the gift, but to be honest, I struggle. I, I struggle with appreciating it. Just the other day, I made a huge mistake. Just the other day. Just the other day, we're driving. You ever, you ever say something out your mouth, and even before it all the way leaves out your mouth, you think to yourself, this ain't going to land well. This, this ain't going to land well. Anybody ever do that? This ain't going to land well. You know? and, and so I'm, I'm driving. She's in the passenger seat. Or, or shall I say we're driving because I'm learning to make this, this community effort, right? So we're driving. She's in the passenger seat. I'm in the driver's seat. And it happened so fast. I couldn't even catch it. But it happened so fast. She said, she said, ain't that the turning lane? I said, ain't that the passenger seat? <laughs> it, it was like the words came out, and I was like, no. I tried to catch them, but they wouldn't come back. But don't feel bad for her. When we got home, she just looked at me and said, ain't that the couch? I said, touche, my dear, touche. I, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that some of us are backseat drivers. And I need you to understand 
You're being driven by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's the Alpha and Omega. He's the first and the last. He's the beginning and the end. He's the creator of all things. He's the lily in the valley. He's the rose of Sharon. He's the bright and morning star. He is Jesus the Christ, the great I am, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. He don't need no backseat drivers. He's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Shut your eyes and trust him. If you believe, belief, 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 belief is shutting your eyes and trusting him. Belief is resting in him. If you would just believe in him, believe in him, then you will not perish. Perish, 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 perish. Perish is, perish is more than just, we think perishing is dying and going to hell. No, 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 no. Perishing is much bigger than that. It's a much bigger idea than that. When you perish, perish is the idea of a, of a slow fade away, a slow drift away from God's purpose, God's plan, God's promise for your life. It, it, it is to live outside of what God has provided for you. And it happens slowly. To perish is to slowly drift away from God's purpose. The enemy doesn't want you to perish fast. No, perish is a slow drift until you look up and you're living in darkness and you didn't even see when the lights went out. Until you look up and you're living outside of God's purpose and you didn't even see when you moved. Sin will take you further than you want to go, make you stay longer than you plan to stay, and make you pay more than you can afford to pay. James says, when sin is finished with you, it leaves you for dead. Perishing is simply going the wrong direction. It's going the wrong way. Some of you may be in this service and you're perishing. You're going the wrong way. You're living outside of God's promise and outside of God's plan. And sin's desire is to woo you away, but, he, but sin will woo you slowly. You'll, you'll look up, and all of a sudden, you'll find and discover you're in an inappropriate relationship. You'll, you'll, you'll look up, and slowly, one poor decision after another, you're living in a self-righteous pursuit of more and not surrendering daily to all that God has called us to surrender to. Perishing. It's not some big sin. Sin is not, sin is not dressed up in this horns with fire coming out. Ooh, I'm sin. Take me home. You're like, no, I'm not doing that. No, that's evil. No. Sin doesn't come that way. Sin comes dressed up in exactly what you like. James says, we're, we're tried when we, when we drift away, when we're carried away by our own lust. Sin comes from our own lust. I guess what I'm trying to say is you got lust, I got lust. All God's children got lust. When you lean into that lust, that's when sin shows up. And before you know it, you find yourself drifting and going the wrong direction. You can be sitting in church going the wrong direction. You can be doing a daily devotional 
and perishing. Perishing is drifting. And do you find yourself living outside of the light of God? Worst part about living outside of the light of God is living in darkness. You know the scariest thing about living in darkness? Your eyes adjust to it. And you get comfortable living there. Have your eyes adjusted to the darkness? And have you grown comfortable living outside of the light of God? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe, believe. Shut your eyes and trust him. If you believe in him, you will not perish, perish, perish. You will not live outside of the light of God, but you will have everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting life, everlasting life, um, ever everlasting life. If, if perishing is bigger than dying and going to hell, then everlasting life is bigger than dying and going to heaven. It's bigger than that. If, if perishing is a, is a drifting away, then everlasting life, it, 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 it's what I would call a, a drawing nigh. Uh, everlasting life is the idea that every day I, I draw nigh to my father. I, 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 I'm drawn closer and closer to my father. Every day I'm becoming more and more like my father. I, every day, which will culminate in all eternity, but, but every day I'm, starting to, I'm, I'm looking more and more like my daddy. It's like my, um, it's like my, little, my little girl, my firstborn. Zoe, she's a, she's a big girl now, but I remember when she was around seven or eight, uh, running around the church, the worst thing you could say to her, the worst thing you could say, and people would say it to her all the time. They'd come up to her and say, girl, you look just like your daddy. My dad is a dude with a beard. I do not look like a dude with a beard. But the girl can help it. When she was born, she looked just like me. First year birthday, she looked even more like me. Second year birthday, looked even more like me. When she turned three, she got glasses, OMG, SMH. She looked even more like me. Now that she's 13, to be honest, y'all, I didn't know I could look that good as a 13-year-old girl. I look gorgeous. I look at her and I said, girl, we are fabulous. You just look beautiful. It's amazing. Here's the deal. Every year, she looks more like her father. That's everlasting life. Every day, I look more like my daddy. Check me out tomorrow. I'm going to look even more like my daddy. Next week, I'm going to look even more like my daddy. Every day, every year, I look more and more like my father. That's everlasting life. It's not perfection. It's not about being perfect. Let me tell you something. You're not going to be perfect. It's about you being perfected by the perfect one. Uh, You're not going to be perfect. It's it's like Bishop Kenneth Almer, who's a mentor of mine. He said, said, Albert, um, when when I was out in the world, I used to cuss at the drop of a hat. Now that I've been walking with Jesus, I don't cuss quite that fast anymore. It's like... 
take a long time for me to get cussed out by, by, by me. Yeah, God's working on me. He's making me better. Anybody in here can say God's working on you. He's making you better. I'm not everything I ought to be, but thank God I ain't what I used to be. He's working on me. That's everlasting life. Every day, I want to look more and more like my father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe, believe, would trust, trust in him, would recline in him, would rest in him. They will not perish. They, they will not live outside of God's purpose, plan, and promise for their life. But they will have everlasting life every day looking more and more like their father. And it will all be for his glory. Amen. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and let's take a few moments in prayer together. So God, we come to you and we thank you, Father. Father, I thank you that because of your grace, we don't have to perish. We don't have to drift away and live outside of your marvelous light. So if there's anybody here perishing today, Father, would you convict their hearts? Would you help them to see that there's a greater way that you provided for them to live? Father, if there's anybody here today that doesn't know what it is to believe They've made the decision in their mind they want you to drive. They've even given you the keys, but in their heart, they're still driving. Father, would, you, would they know the power of surrender today? May they know the beautiful exhale that their heart is waiting to have as they receive the grace of God and say yes to your will, yes to your way. Yes, Lord, I will obey. Father, may they believe belief. Father, for those that are perishing, may they know that they can turn around. All they got to do is say, Lord, I need you. Lord, I surrender. Because they're not turning around in their strength. Upon their confession, God, your spirit is what's going to do the turning around. So, Father, would you give us the courage just to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, and Father, our eternal prayer is that every day, by the power, the sanctifying work of your Holy Spirit, every day, we look more and more like our Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed the message and that you took something from it that you can apply to your own life. If you want to keep up with what's going on at Menlo, follow us on social media. And we hope to see you again soon.